Previously on the Glass Cannon Podcast. Sergeant Lork Iron Tusk. Lork. <laughs> Lork. Sort of an aging ranger in the militia. So I turn to Lork and I say, how's the paper pushing? I'm just getting old. I say, uh, like me. If you uh, had any courage and you'd be out there with me. Uh, Lork is going to talk to the uh, to the witch. I'll be back. I always She back. says, Roderick! No. Roderick no. Graff is dead! Where, where, where is he? Where is he? No. And the biggest one among them is holding your adopted son. And he slits his throat. Actually, sort of a lone survivor situation where, like, his whole platoon was killed by a fire giant. Critical mistake. Redemption. The attack hits you and is a critical threat. For your own death. Holy oh. shit. Oh. Puts you in. Fires you 50 feet through the air. Lork's like, ah! These people want to go. I'll go with them. She says that when you were a young man, you strangled someone to death. She says this is your curse. The reason why all your loved ones and all those you protect have died. One time there was a a human boy in that group who sold off where our food stores were to another gang and they, they took everything we had. I strangled him to death in the street. Stick around. I'll be back. I always come back. Bear the murderer's curse. So Gormley's going to take off flying. She's going to fly directly at the dragonfly. Oh, baby! That's awesome. Ben Vereen falls to his death. Ben Vereen has died. The murderer's curse. Somewhere out there is a trueborn son that is yours. And Gormley falls to the compost heap. And she dies. Well, dear boy, I told you we would meet again. And he lays his hands on Galabras' head. And he just starts like ah, shaking. Galabras' intelligence and charisma are permanently one. What happened to him? You're telling me it's because of me. Well, I want to know how to fix it. Redemption. Or your own death. The adventure continues now. What's going on, everybody? I'm Troy LaValle, and welcome to episode 100, parts 1, 2, and 3. Watch what is happening right now. Well, you're about to find out. I have been excited about this one for a long, long time, and I'm so glad, and I feel so lucky that everything worked out that we're at this point in the story for such a memorable numeric episode to occur. Lucky is the perfect word, too, because I feel... I feel extremely lucky to be able to make this show with my good friends and have it actually resonate and mean something to so many people. I had no idea that that was going to occur. You know, I'm 38 years old. I'm an actor, a fly-by-night comedian, and a writer, and all I've ever wanted to do is be able to produce and star in my own television series. That's what I want more than anything else in the world, career-wise. I've lived in New York for going on 17 years. I've had Plenty of high points with my creative pursuits and probably about 10 times as many lows, if we're being honest. And sometimes I get very frustrated that I haven't made the progress that I would have liked to have made by now. I think anybody, whether you're in the arts or not, when you get older, that happens if you haven't 
you know, achieved all the things that you want to do or any of the things that you want to do. So when we started this podcast, our only real goal was to just produce something at the highest quality level that we were able to, knowing that we had no money to put into the show and that we would probably make no money ever doing the show. And we just kept doing that for weeks and then months and now almost two years. And here we are at episode 100 and surprisingly, surprisingly to us, things are actually starting to happen. The absurd generosity of all of you who support us on Patreon blows us away every single day. It's no exaggeration. Every time I see a new pledge, whether it's $2 or $100, I'm just like, <gasps> takes my breath away. Now, total disclosure, we have a long way to go for this to become an actual profitable venture. People see 5000 a month on Patreon and think, those guys are rich. But honestly, between everything we spent in the past couple of years, expenses, royalties, Taxes, oh my God, taxes. It's going to be a long time before we actually make any real money off of this. But because of you guys and your generosity, the mere idea that this podcast could actually turn into something greater now doesn't seem so far-fetched. At GCP Live last week, I couldn't help but feel emotional talking to all of these people who, for whatever reason, get a lot out of this story that we're trying to tell and the silly and oftentimes inappropriate humor we use in telling it. So I have to remind myself when I get frustrated that my career hasn't quite reached the point where I would like it to be by now that every week I get to tell a story and I get to play a game with my close friends and other people listen to it and it really means something to them. It sounds cliche, but that's worth way more than money. So if you're going through a hard time and you need to laugh, or maybe you needed that cry when your favorite witch and animal companion fell to their death, well... We got you covered. I don't have to tell you guys there's a lot of hate, a lot of anger, a lot of intolerance in the world. So I feel like if for an hour a week we could pull you away from all that garbage, pull you out of your own frustrations and troubles, and just sit back and listen to this fantasy, that's awesome. That is awesome that we can do that. So if you're like me and life isn't always giving you what you feel like you're putting into it, grab some friends and play a game once in a while. Some people have no idea about the therapeutic value of games. Just create something together, because who knows? If you create something together that means something to you, maybe one day it'll mean something to a lot of other people, too, who could really use a break from all this nonsense. We love you guys, and we hope you enjoy a very special episode 100 of the Glass Cannon Podcast, Ranger Things. And now for your main event of the evening, episode 100! Yeah! Let's pop some bottles. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Should all the questions be forgotten? Mary! Mary! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bobby Howells! Merry Christmas, you want to belong building in the Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mender Hall! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Footless Lark! Oh, this is beautiful. We got some champagne? I uh, feel like we've done this before. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's been, been a while. We save it for special occasions. Ooh, Character death. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's lead us in a toast. Um, Joe, would you like to lead us in a toast? <laughs> oh, great. Um, <clears throat> yes, I would. Uh, a toast... To Troy, 
for GMing this extremely long and wonderful adventure that I'm enjoying thoroughly. To Skid for his amazing characterizations and characters that he has created that are incredibly memorable. To Grant for showing me what it's like to roll high all the time. (laughs) To Matthew for creating the character that everyone misses the most in Gormley Call. And to the fans for being with us for 100 episodes! Amazing. This one goes out to you guys. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you're drinking with us. Yeah, Yeah, please. Everybody brought champagne, right? I have to compliment you on these really beautiful champagne flutes. Aren't these lovely? I brought out the fine crystal red solo cups. Yes. (laughs) Are these a wedding gift? They are. I I only bring them out. Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. You registered for 30 of them. I saw them. It was $4.99. I'm doing so well you can throw them out when you're done. I saw them. I saw them on the registry and I was like, jeez, who's going to spring for that? It was like me me and my 10 other people had to split them. Oh, okay. That's what... Well, then wait till Matthew leaves until you throw them out. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I know mine is the one that hasn't been thrown. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've we've come this far. Um, a hundred episodes—that is a, a hundred weeks—and I feel like we've been working on it for a hundred and fifty, and now we're we're at the big one hundred. I was thinking to myself uh, earlier today. I wonder how many episodes this whole thing will shake out because that's the thing nobody wants to talk about—that this is a finite story. You know, yeah. this is not an infinite story that will uh, hopefully will live on in infamy, but it, it does have an ending. Um, <laughs> We're almost halfway there. Yeah. Well, no, it's going to be 104 episodes total. <laughs> oh, no, you figured it out. Yeah, I was just going to tell you, 104. <laughs> All right. Now I can plan my schedule for One the summer. One more month. Um, what a long way we've come. And uh, now here we are. I think uh poetic Troy. I think I'm going to uh I'm going to start it's a special episode so I want to start with a with a fun little cinematic for you guys. We've done this before. So just uh sit back, relax and enjoy. Luckily I have some champagne. Please don't slurp on the mic. It will ruin every moment. <laughs> oh sorry. You were just talking to Joe though, right? Not me. That rule didn't apply to me. I have comedians walking to a podcast. (laughs) Okay. Blackout. All you hear is... Boom. 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 And slowly, an image of some sort of wood fades into frame. The sound continues. Boom. Boom, and the wood shakes with every sound. Boom, boom. More sounds begin to come in with the banging. Can't quite hear it. It's like, ah, ah, ah. Can't make it out, but it sounds very intense. The table continues to shake. Begins to sound a little bit more like words. Drink, 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 drink. We pan out and see a bunch of people crowded around a table, banging on it in the middle of a drinking contest. On one side, the newly appointed Sheriff Baron Redheart, holding a pitcher of beer in his hand, chugging away. Camera pans around and across from him, doing the same, is Ingrahild Nargrimkin. 
and they're racing through a pitcher of beer together. Drag, 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 slam it on the table. Ingrid finishes first, slams the pitcher <laughs> down. Everybody's like, ah! they're punching Baron, like, oh, you lost our woman. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right. And uh, she smiles at Baron. Baron smiles back. Maybe the smile lingers for just a little bit. Umlo grabs Ingrahild's hand, raises it up. Umlo's hand, of course, all flesh that he raises Ingrahild's hand with. All right, who else wants to take on my sister, huh? And then Ingrahild's like, no, 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 you're going to have to fight your own battles, little brother. I'm not always going to be around to save the day for you. You go, you're up next. Ingrahild gets up, walks towards the bar. As she walks up to the bar, you see she's walking up to a woman with her back to us. She has long, flowing black hair, maybe down to her waist. She turns around, Della Narn. Della with black hair. Ingrid says, uh, any change from Galabras? And Della just shakes her head. Della looks like she came here to kind of collect her thoughts and is now being annoyed by something and Ingrid's like, you should probably go back over there The uh, that kind of group is the kind that always needs a strong woman around maybe uh, go back there, I'll, uh, I'll get some more drinks, and Della looks happy to go away and Ingrid realizes there's somebody like boasting really loudly, but she can't see anybody, she just hears this and it's an annoying sound just hears like, blah blah blah, the world wound Blah, blah, blah. Highbury. <laughs> she looks to the end of the bar and she doesn't see anything. <laughs> the bartender comes up and he offers her a drink and is like, please, this one's on me for everything you've done for the city. This one's on me. And uh, Ingrid says, you know, I never turned down a free ale, but as my father always said, we drink for the battles to come, not for the battles we won. She looks around wistfully at the bar, sees Baron and Umlo racing through a pitcher together, sees Della kind of slowly approaching the table as well. She says to the bartender, I like this place. This is very different from where my brother and I grew up. I could see us coming back here. Maybe starting over after we finish our business in the south. And she takes a drink and just smiles to herself. We pan away from her towards the door of the killing grounds. Under the mission accomplished banner, of course. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Get her down. <laughs> we go outside and past the two horses and that strange wolf tied up outside the bar. Through the inner quarter of True Now. Most of True Now sleeps, except for the people inside the killing grounds, obviously. Up to one candlelit window. And we go inside that window. And we see Lork Iron Tusk just staring at Gorham's thorn. He lifts his head up and he looks and he sees the armor of Uskroth back and forth between the, the sword and the armor. What is going through Lork's mind at this moment? <laughs> um, um, he's thinking... 
uh, he's trying to resolve this curse, the, the curse, the murderer's curse. He's trying to figure out what is what is what it means and where it's coming from. And uh, as he's looking at the armor, he's realizing that the curse is real and that it's coming from somewhere that is very that's very that he can put a hand on for lack of a better term like he knows exactly where it's coming from and he's looking at the armor and he's thinking that he's not worthy of it he went to droja to kind of follow up it's not that she wasn't helpful but she didn't give him the answers that he wanted said redemption or your own death that's all she could say yeah, and, and he asked her what kind of redemption, how, and she said she didn't know. And so this is just playing through your head, and now you think of another mission ahead of you. You went from desk jockey to savior of the town to lieutenant to going on an expedition mission. You've come back, and now you're being sent on an even greater mission. As you sit there kind of going through all this information, staring at the sword, staring at the armor, thinking about Gal and your son and Gormley and Benverin and all your friends from the Black Arrows that you lost. Just everything's racing through your head. You hear a knock on your front door. Go go open it. Me or you? <laughs> you, go open it. Don't tell me what to do! <laughs> I'm doing the sirenscape. So, <laughs> so Lark gets up, goes to the front door, opens it. You don't have a peephole, so you just open it up. And it's Katrezra. Played, of course, by El- Edward James Olmos. Mm. Weeping sores cover his face and arms. His eyes, I think I described them as two bowls of milk, completely blind. He says, it's funny, I'm blind as a bat, but I always feel like I can make my way around this city better at night. May I come in? Yes, please, come in. He kind of feebly walks in and is looking for a place to... Lork is kind of like thrown off by this. Lork trips him. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, no, I'll I'll get this set for you. And he just knocks him over. (laughs) Um, He's kind of looking for a place to sit down. Do you lead him to maybe a kitchen Um, table or whatever you have? Yeah, the the place is a mess from the dwarves staying there. Uh, Everything's been... You know, there's a lot of rabble rousing last night. Right. You moved your son's lacrosse equipment out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I haven't cleaned up since the son died. <laughs> uh, he, he, he sits down. Slide the to-do list out of the way. <laughs> um, he, he, he very he very feebly sits down and says, "I." I I don't mean to disturb you. I won't be won't be long. Won't take up much of your time. But I have been um, speaking to Drosia at length about her rescue from the Twisted Hearts. Uh, thanks to all of you. As you well know, she and I have much in common. We both suffered greatly at the hands of our orc oppressors. I want you to know that she feels deep regret at having revealed her. All of you, these things she saw in the mists, you cannot hold her responsible for that. No, I, I don't. I've, I did. But I've, I've learned to think better of it. 
these things we see we we cannot control they come to us they come to me in dreams they come to me in flashes voices in my head I wish I had more control over them you know during my time uh, as a thrall to the vile and barbarous empty hand tribe I came into my powers then through years of torment and suffering when I sleep at night I can still feel the fumes burning my skin those sulfuric volcanic fumes scarred me physically while also leaving me with these oracular visions you know I spent most of my life only ever seeing these powers as a curse look when I got free and found sanctuary here and true now I sought far and wide to remove this curse to remove all vestiges of my former life I sought healers from Varesia to Syria and back again spent years seeking divine magics to remove this curse to remove my powers of seeing but to no avail as I found my faith and deepened my connection to Yomadai I realized over time that these powers look were not a curse but a gift for I did nothing to deserve a curse from what I understand you are a different story look but I don't need to tell you that are you familiar with the Shoanti I I am there, Why? there is a Shoanti tribe deep within the mind spins known as the uh, Skorn Kwa yes I know of them you know them they're sometimes they're referred to as the Skull Tribe aye they're barbarians they are barbarians but they also consider themselves to be the guardians of the deceased and their whole lives revolve around death as I spoke to Drozier and I heard of your situation I couldn't help but think of them if it was death that brought this curse upon you I believe and I have seen that they may be able to help you now I don't wish to burden you with an old man's ramblings but I've seen things I've seen many things I've seen the coming of the Giants I've seen the great war of man and I fear I will be long gone before the final battle plays itself out I lay awake at night wishing that I had led Roderick down the correct path when he became fixated on these other things that led to his death I wonder if he had stayed alive if maybe he could have played a part in this war but then again maybe he has and maybe my penance and my absolution can come from leading you down a path to redemption the road will be dangerous you will continue to put your allies and everyone you love in peril but if it's the mind spin mountains you head for look 
for the shawanti. Look for the scone qua. Look to blood-sworn veil. Seek that tribe. And may Yomadai lead your way. And you get the sense that there's nothing else he needs to say. Yeah, Lork is speechless. He gets up, blind as a bat, walks to the door, <laughs> opens it, and leaves. Well, um, that's a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Lork is going to, I mean, the thing about the Shawanti that the, that the Black Arrows would know or that Lork knows is that they're very dangerous, uh, especially when it comes to orcs and by association, half orcs, um, they hate them. So it's, it would be really, it would really be dangerous. Like a death mission. Right, right. Does Lork have connection to them from his Black Hour days? Did he hear of them or know of them? Uh, yeah, yeah. He definitely would have crossed paths with them in the mind spins on the Sorval Plateau. He definitely would have crossed paths with them. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, he definitely crossed paths with the Skoan Qua. Skoan? Skoan Qua. Like Irish Soda Bread tribe. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, no, I just imagine them being absolutely gruesome, like, Maybe even killing Black Arrows or certainly threatening to kill Lork just for being Lork. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, it, it would be extremely dangerous, but that could be an answer to, I, I think that I, I, that Lork knows what, like where this curse is coming from now. He's, he's identifying it and the death part of it is very, it's very clear to him what murder we're talking about and how, not how to, be redeemed, but if it's through un like through communing with undead or something, then that is like Katrezer tipping him off to something that he didn't think of but understands mm-hmm. because he knows he knows these people. So it would be a, a very interesting for him to pursue that uh, that idea. But yeah, again, it's it's really dangerous. Um, and you're all alone. You have nobody to talk to except Barry, who I'm assuming is. Tied up at back or sitting. <laughs> he race. stays in the house. He's, he stays in the house. He uses the race car bed. As he, a, he's potty trained. Yeah. Um, um, Lork is going to talk to. He's going to go and see uh, Galabras. Actually, he's going to go back to Galabras. Yeah, he's going to go uh, and talk to to Gel because there's a certain like the whole time. I think there was a certain wisdom that Gel had that that even though he was much younger, that Lork. Uh, latched onto after a while, and uh, and he appreciated that about him. And when they were coming back from Red Lake Fort, and Gel was a vegetable in the boat and everything, Lork was sitting next to him, like feeling terrible, like a failure and everything. But mainly, he just wanted to be in the room with him. It was almost comforting to just be in a room with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think he's going to think about it, and he's going to decide to go, but he's going to talk to Galabras first. Okay, so you suit up. You obviously leave the armor. Yeah. Yeah, he, he leaves the armor. 
You do anything else? Um, I mean, he wants to talk to them. <laughs> like, he wants to say to Baron and Della, like, what he wants to do and why, but he can't. He knows that it's going to get shut down and he can't risk it. And so he just is going to write a note that doesn't, that doesn't say where he's going. It just tries to explain why he's leaving, but he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't want anybody coming after him because he knows it's that the, those people are very dangerous. Right. Okay. So you, you make your way to the sanctuary. It's, it's really late at night now, you know. Maybe you take the long way around, but you can hear the the din coming from the killing grounds. Um, you don't walk past any of your companions. Um, and uh, you get there, and it's like after hours. I mean, you don't, you don't even see Brantos Calderon. You see some other guy. Uh, the night shift? Yes, yeah, the night shift. Um, and uh, he's just kind of like dozing off and on. You go down there, and uh, Droja is asleep as well in like a side chamber. Um, but you do see the room where Roderick's body was, where Jason's body went, and now where Galabras is before he's transported to his house. And he's sitting there looking resplendent. So ridiculous. Are his eyes open? Do his eyes, like, stay open? Uh, no. No. Okay. So he almost looks peaceful, like a peaceful rest. Yes. He has a raging erection. <laughs> 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 you put it. You put a sheet over. It. <laughs> I hope you're dreaming of sweet things. Lork will go up and uh, and sit down next to him, like like he did on the boat, and just kind of uh, hold on to to the sword. And he's just sitting there in silence for a little while, mm-hmm. just kind of contemplating his big decision, and uh, you know, a little unsure of himself. Well, very unsure of himself, really, knowing that he has time to you know, wave off and not do it. But, um, after a while he's just sitting there and he starts speaking to Gal and he's like, I was at home doing some thinking about you and Gormley and, and Ben and, and earlier today I, I walked past the spot where, well, you know what happened to your son and, and even the Ramble house where we first met and, and Roderick died. I'm just... We're just surrounded by death, Gil. It's... Our lives have been a war, in a way, and I know yours has been really tough. I've seen what you've been through, and I don't know how you how you survived it, but you've you've made it this far. And you're still alive, so I know you're fighting in there. I know you're still fighting. And that's why I know you'll be here when I come back. I, I can't stay, Gal. I've been lying to all of you. I've been lying to myself. The truth is, I've, though I've been in a lot of battles and I've killed a lot of men, I did it for the glory of Gorham. I took no enjoyment from it. It was kill or be killed. That's all I've ever known. It's, it's the nature of survival. But murder, that's a, a totally different thing. I'm not gonna stand by and watch Baron and Della die for my sins. I'm marked. And I know why. I've asked so much of you. 
But I need to ask one more thing. I need you to hear my confession. Will you do that? And he just like sits in silence. And he looks around. He looks to see if anybody's coming. He feels kind of silly, but he knows that he has to say it out loud to somebody. And he doesn't know how to, to say it to anybody because he's never spoken of it before. And he just starts. His name was Pudir. A human boy from across the inner sea, other side of the world for all I knew. But he ended up in Trunau, broken and starving and near death. His family, I think, had been killed by orcs or or something. I Or I never knew, or maybe I just don't remember, but it didn't much matter. We took him in, we got him healthy again, and I was... Young, I was new to the to leading a gang. I'd never done it before, but I, I'd grown large. I was bigger than everyone else, and so it kind of fell to me by default. And, and I didn't know any better. I was young and foolish, and I thought that the only way to lead them was through fear and violence. And well, that's what everyone else did. But this boy, he, he hated the way I did things, and he thought that. That we could make peace with the other boys. He said I was part of the problem. I'm sorry, I... It's bringing up these emotions that I haven't felt in a long time, and I'm realizing now that it all came from pride, from a silly pride. I was new to it and didn't know what I was doing, and he was turning my men against me. My boys. We were all boys. But he said... You have to be kind to people. I realize now he was like you, Gil. But I'd never met anyone like that before. I told him that the other boys hated him in the other gangs. That if he didn't kill them, they'd kill him. And he said, I don't care. He, I thought he was a fool. Well, eventually I lost control and... Everyone started doubting me, and I hated him for it. And when he, as a peace offering to another gang, gave them food from our stores, told them where they could eat, well, that was it. I tracked him down. I waited until he was alone. And I jumped him. And I beat him. And I choked him. And now I know that... That I could have stopped myself. I know there was a moment when... He gave up. And he looked at me like... Like he was forgiving me or something. And I was ashamed. And blind with rage. And I just finished what I set out to do. I silenced his voice. And so you see, my friend, why I don't deserve your armor or your hammer. I'm not a righteous man. I'm not an honorable man. I'm a murderer and a criminal. 
And Katrezra spoke of a way that maybe I could put this behind me. I've been hiding from it for a long time, but now it's time to face it. And if it's the Shawanti I need to face, then I'll have to do it alone. Because they kill orcs on sight, and half-orcs as well, for all I know. And they may kill Della and Baron just for being in my company. They don't negotiate. But if it's only me that dies, then that, that's fine by me. But I have to find a way to rid myself of this curse. And I have to do it now. Once I get rid of it, I'm going to find my son. And then I'm going to find Brander. And I'm going to bring back your hammer. And I know you'll be here. And I know you'll be alive. And he stands up. Looks at Gal, starts to walk away, gets to the door, and turns back around, looks at him one last time, and kind of like gets a half smile, and he's just like, don't leave town. <laughs> it's like the final moment from the final episode of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then he walks out. Somebody else comes in, you're like, we're closed. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, wow. So Lork leaves the sanctuary and, you know, you have to imagine that you've been in there for a while in real time and in game time and you go outside and it's dawn is approaching. The other people, the killing grounds, maybe there's a couple of stragglers there, but they're already back at the house. <laughs> yeah, I imagined them like... They see a closed door. I imagined them sitting there for an hour or more in silence, like in silent meditation, yeah. thinking about this decision um, before he started speaking. So you just walk through the inner quarter, back up to those main gates where like you guys were barricading and rolling down sticks and boulders and the bombardiers were coming through and you know, now it's like patchwork. They've tried to fix it up and just the sun slowly rising. Uh, in the east, and you hear, Lark! Lark! And this figure comes running up to you. Hey, Lark, where are you going? <laughs> You're up early. Damn it, Tom. Just going on my morning jog. Don't you ever sleep. I just uh, like to get up with the... Cr you know, the early bird catches the stuff. <laughs> Anyways, 
Well, uh, have a good day. Make sure you keep both your feet on the ground. See ya! Oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then Lork slowly walks away <laughs> into the pre-dawn morn. You know, a couple hours later, the, the sun is fully risen overhead, and uh, it's, a, it's a really, like, beautiful day, and the opposite of which is going on inside of you. And, like, where are you heading? Are you just heading directly? Bloodsworn Vale is, you know it, it is in the middle of the mind spins, essentially. Um, where it is in terms of, you know, Minderhall's Valley, you don't know that. You don't know even where Minderhall's Valley is, to be honest. Um, but you know the mind spins enough, and Bloodsworn Vale is kind of smack dab in the middle. Um, and so is that your destination? Yeah, yeah, I think Lork knows exactly where it is, because he's been there. I mean, he knows that territory. It's it's his favorite terrain. He's familiar with it. He worked there with, with the Black Arrows. He did missions there, and he knows the Shawanti. You know, he is, he's dealt with them before, at least men that he was with dealt with them before, if they wouldn't deal with him because he's, he's a half-orc. He had men that would be, could go into tents with elders and stuff like that. And so yeah, he, I think he knows where he's going. And he's a ranger. He's a ranger. Yeah, you couldn't have he's asked a ranger, for a better guy to try and like find his way back to a place from his youth, essentially. Um, so off you go then, in that direction. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure a couple hours in, you have to imagine that your your friends, your party, are waking up, maybe a little hungover, a little worse for the wear, and going the the time when you were supposed to meet at the beacon has passed. So you know that they've woken up and gone there. Maybe they checked your room beforehand. You don't know, but this is all kind of running through your head. That abandonment that you know they must feel. Um, but day turns into night, and. Eventually, you're just out in the wilderness going along. Day two comes, passes. I don't know. I'm sure you've got some sort of rations on you. You didn't just leave and say, I'll hunt for all, everything I eat, but you, you know that like... A, well, no, I'll definitely have to at some point. Right, right. But you've got enough rations for probably a week, two weeks, I would think, easily. Um, so food isn't really a problem, but it's a lonely journey. At the same time, it probably feels very good to get some peace even though you're feeling bad about, you know, leaving these people that looked up to you, maybe, that trusted you. Yeah, but it, it definitely feels better to not have their fate feel like it's tied into my fate in that negative way. Right. That's very freeing, for sure. Middle of day three. You have just been going, 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 nothing going on. And you hear roaring up ahead and to the right. Sounds Some sort of beast? Barry is very on edge. Barry is... Stay Barry. Sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. Um, <laughs> I haven't said that so long! <laughs> yeah, Barry is sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. And Barry looks very agitated by this. And uh, roll a perception check. First Lork roll in a long time. Yeah, uh, unlike Will, he's got good perception. Uh, 24. 24. It's a bear. You hear a bear in pain up oh. ahead. Uh, uh, Lork will start jogging up. All right, you jog up and you but get... But he's going to, yeah, keep his distance keep until he sure. sees what he sees. Um, you kinda, there's, a, there's like a little copse of trees up ahead and you can see shapes and all of a sudden you can see what's happening. There is a dire bear uh, attacking a orc... Maybe, maybe a half orc. You can't quite tell. 
He's got armor on with spikes coming out of it. And it looks like he is wrestling with the dire bear. The dire bear is getting the better of him right now. But in a moment, he like pulls the dire bear into him and impales him on the spikes. And then as the dire bear is being pushed off, he decapitates it. Oh, man. <laughs> and he just turns around and sees you, and he is covered in blood. Oh, my God. What does he look like? He looks like... This is amazing! This is like a surprise party. (laughs) He has the body of Brock Lesnar. I don't know who that is. He's a UFC and WWE fighter. And the face of a crazed Klaus Kinski. (laughs) From Aguirre, the Wrath of God. That's a combination. And he says, Ooh, ooh, ooh. I've seen suckling babes with more ferocity than that dire bear. <laughs> and he noticed That's Brock Lesnar, by the way, on the uh, TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now I see. And you see him? Is he human? You'll see. Oh, okay. don't jump ahead of yourself. Sorry. And he wipes his twisted greatsword off in his hand, which is just a leather glove. And you see as he slides it sheathes it into the scabbard on his back forged into the blade is the word Oathbreaker and he sees you and he eyes you and he says well met my friend I am Orfas Norkim I seek unimaginable power Klaus Kinsey says this. <laughs> Where do you stand in this journey? With me or this bear? <laughs> I, I stand with you. <laughs> oh, my God. So he's, is, he's human. Is he human? He, he's half orc. Oh, he's half but, orc. But, but he's also on top of having Brock Lesnar's ar- uh, body. He has the arms of, like, the length of arms of, like, Minute Bull. Like, he's got really, like, arms. Like, he threatens an extra square. Like, he's long got really, arms, really long arms. Ripped wow. torso and this crazy German face uh, of Klaus Kinski. And it's a half-orc that just wow. one-shot at a bear. And how, how old is he? Like, does he appear? Uh, is he, he look, young, old? He looks pretty young. He looks younger than Klaus Kinsey, but he yeah, has yeah. the same kind of insanity. <laughs> he smiles at you uh-huh. and waits your response. I stand with you. I uh, I could get talked into unimaginable power. I think I could use it. What brings you to these woods? I'm bound for the Bloodsworn Vale. The Shawanti there. Ah, I see. A man out of place in his own time. You are, like me, half-orc, no? Yes, I. Why do you wander through these mountain ranges? What has unhinged you from your own life? I... I'm on a mission of necessity. The Shawanti, they may have something that'll help me. And, uh, it's something I can't find anywhere else. A great power. And, like you, I seek to be stronger. 
and this is the way that I have found to do it. And I look down, and I size him up, and I, I take in the full lork. And he looks at the hilt of your sword, and he says, Ah, I see you as well are iron-bound to Gorham. Are you a follower of Gorham? I am a blood rager of Gorham. <laughs> My Amazing. <laughs> Excellent choice. My blood boils for Gorham. <laughs> Every step I take on this earth is a step towards another battle to bring greater glory to our God. I, I like the way you you speak. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Where do you seek this unimaginable power? Where are you bound? I am bound where the wind blows me. I am looking to fight the strongest people that I can find because my desire is to return to my home and either raise it to the ground <laughs> or rule it with an iron fist. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> is fun. anyone else having as much fun as I'm having? <laughs> Matthew, you're very quiet over there. It's a fun time. <laughs> Classic, Matthew. Uh, now, so you want to return to your home and raise it to the ground or rule it with an iron fist? I, Just trying to catch up here. Either option is pleasurable to me. Well, I know a place where you could find strong warriors that are brutal in combat, extremely well-trained, extremely disciplined. Would you consider helping me reach this Shawanti tribe? Ah, uh, I, uh, I, could be, I could be persuaded to join you, but I must say that although I love battle, this is not the only means with which to gain an end. We should consider all opportunities when faced with the Shawanti. Diplomacy, though distasteful, may be the best option to move forward. You see, the greatest problem... So distasteful. <laughs> the greatest problem with orcs is that they are unorganized. They are incapable of planning. You know that your better half, the human half, is capable of a greater degree of strategy. And we must use this side of ourselves if we are to separate the wheat from the chaff. And I can assure you, my friend, though you do not know me, I myself are wheat, and I hope you are as well. <laughs> Otherwise, you will be cut down. <laughs> Grant, I like you. <laughs> you are very good at what you do. So you meet this maniac in the woods who's got spikes on himself, bear-hugging a bear into the spikes, decapitate. What kind of weapon is he working with? A great sword. A great sword. But then, eloquent, yeah. as eloquent can be. Now, what what is going on through, through Lord Seppi? Because, Lord, you just abandoned. Well, you know, maybe... I, you can look ease at it the way you want. He's off the gas right. pedal. You just, like, left everyone for dead. 
No. Uh, you know, you just like w- walked away from people because you didn't want to hurt him. It seems like you're considering this. What is going through your head? I've considered it. I've already decided on it. I mean, this guy, not only is he amazing, like, he's amazing. He's amazingly perfect. It, he's almost too perfect in a way because he's, as a follower of, of Gorham, there's no, like, there was no one else like that within Lork's tribe. Like, people who sought battle just for battle's sake, sought death in battle as the epitome of, of a great end. You know? Right. So if you see someone like that who might be at risk because of your curse, it's like, hey, as long as we're in battle together, then he'll be fine. Right. You know, that makes sense. That makes sense. And the fact that he's a half-orc means he, like, we're going into the same exact level of danger with the Shawanti. I'm curious, my friend. <laughs> Grant, I'm out of character now. <laughs> no, stay it. Stay here. What? Were the circumstances of your birth, how did your mother become impregnated with one such as yourself? Well, I never had the ability to know that. I never knew my mother. My first memories are of the orphanages in the Straits of Trunau. Ah, Trunau, you were raised by primarily humans, were you not? Why, well, primarily myself and my allies, but... Yes, a human village. Did they accept you? They did, after a, after a while. But, of course, with certain reservations, certain things were always a bit different, but they meant well most of the time, most of them anyway. Oh, I find this encouraging. I can tell you from my own experiences growing up in this world that my father was a cur, a dog, a mongrel. His relationship with my mother was certainly not based on love, and I was the result. And I can tell you that the orcs of Deepgate, no matter how powerful I became, ever accepted me in their society. Do you know of Deepgate? No. Knowledge local? Knowledge local. Seven. Still don't know. Deepgate. <laughs> where is Deepgate? I've never heard of it. Deepgate is in the side of. It's just outside Trunau. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's literally the next town over. <laughs> oh, you, you, your own knowledge of your worst half has been suppressed by these Trunauians. Deepgate is in the side of the Kodar Mountains, and it is the point of the largest eruption of our. Chartreuse half, shall we say? <laughs> when the dwarf ended their quest for sky and finally reached the firmament itself, it was from that point that the greatest number of orcs poured to saturate the surface of Galarian with their unusual methodology. So that's where he came from. Yeah, And okay. he's left there for his reasons. You've left true now. For your reasons. Right. And for whatever reasons, you guys are going to continue right. on. And I show it together. like Lork will show him almost ceremonially the sword, Gorm's Thorn. It's got the etching. He'll show him the Gorm etching. Or... He'll tell him it's Orc Forged Steel that he found. He'll tell him the story of the weapon as far as he knows it. And uh, Are you telling him about Red Lake 4? Are you telling him about all that stuff? Or are you just kind of cutting out the parts you don't feel like talking about? No, like Lork has a little bit... All of, my friends around me die. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about 
the failure parts of the mission, the sadder parts of the mission. He's just talking about he was in a great battle in Red Lake Fort, uh, you know. Um, but I mean, but really, it was the Vault of Thorns, right, where he found he finds Gorm's Thorn. So he talks more about the the Vault, and he doesn't mention Gormley at all. The Druids, the Druidic history, and whatnot. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, it's demi plane, and then he found this amazing weapon that had been hidden by the Druids for. For decades, so you guys are just walking and talking and sharing these stories, and that's yeah. got to be right up your alley. Hearing about all this druidic stuff, a cache of weapons meant to kill uh, orcs and giants. He, ta- he takes off the um, victor's belt. He asks him if he wants to like try it on. He tells him he got it from an orc, a half orc. Uh, is it a, bar- a half orc barbarian who was in the fighting pits in Urgear? Urgear. Yeah. Oh, 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 that is a cute little trinket. <laughs> a true rager brings his power from within. Not to be disparaging of your own talents, my dear Lork. Oh, no, I've got no talents. This is, <laughs> this is just to say I, I met a brave man once. Not, not like me. And he had a cool belt. <laughs> so you guys are just walking and sharing stories, just swapping stories. Just a couple of half-orcs who left their tribe, their friends, and everything behind. You know, how much you share with each other, you know, is up to you guys over time. It seems like, you know, you're just kind of, you're of the same mind for different reasons, but he's on board with your mission, Lork, and you're okay with it. Yeah. Maybe there's got to be a part of you, especially after talking to these oracles, that maybe thinks it's faded. Gorham dropped this other halfy in your direction. Yeah, and he's just he's oozing confidence, right? Oozing yeah, charisma. That, What's your charisma? Oh, it's a sixteen. Yeah, so you know, I didn't even think about that mechanically. <laughs> like just Grant playing him, he was so confident that you're like, oh man, this is a guy that I want to go into a fight with. I think he was playing a solid sixteen for charisma. <laughs> yeah, he really nailed, nailed the it. sixteen. And the the he he'll smile occasionally, but like his smiles don't come when they're supposed to. They come at the most disarming, strange times, and often over dark topics. And now he's weird. <laughs> uh, so that was day three that you met to him. You guys uh, go forward. I don't know if you're, are you taking watches or are you, like you didn't have a watch the first night, but now that you have the option to do it, you're getting into deeper territory. I'm assuming you guys want to take watches. Yeah. yeah. So the night of day three, you trade off. Things are going well. The next morning you wake up, you take a piss. Maybe you're sharing your rations with him. Maybe he took rations from Deepgate after he bolted out of there. Day four, not too much. So, so yeah. Uh, by the way, Lork is not using all of his rations. Like in these, pe- like relatively quiet nights or peaceful times, he's offering to set traps and stuff like that to help feed them, so that they don't have to dip into like emergency rations. Ah, so you like going up ahead? No, no. But just once we kind of set up camp. Ah, he's okay. Like, I'm going to go around uh, set tra- traps for a while. We'll check him in the morning. You know what, what does he mean? think about Barry, by the way? Uh, so um, <laughs> while he's setting up traps, uh, he's using his considerable handle animal skill to interact with Barry. and he's, Oh, he has a high ha- handle animal? Yeah, and, That's he, and, awesome. he, and he, he turns to Lork and says, Ah, oh, Lork, <laughs> this bear, if you continue to train it, it will be considerably less disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. Don't, you know he understands you. Oh, 
Mm. Hey, keep track of days too, because it's day four. You can begin teaching them a new trick. Yes, yes. You wake up the next morning, start looking at that. And day four is a lot. Now, day four is this is your second day together, so there's a lot more like maybe there's an inside joke. Hey, remember that time I killed that bear? Now you have a bear? Hey, we're friends. Hey, well, let me tell you the time I almost got decapitated by four. <laughs> so you guys goofing off, whatever. You camp out that night. You've now made four days worth of uh, distance. Now, obviously. The party that you don't know about is on horseback. They're moving considerably faster in a different direction. They're going towards the tomb of Nargrim Steelhand. You guys are on foot. I don't know how much you've told. Uh, Orphis. Orphis? Orphas Norkim. Orphas Norkim of your other friends. But you're camping out on the night of... Day four. So, night four. Tired. This was a tough day. The weather wasn't great. And um, you probably didn't make as great, as better, as good a progress as you did the first few days. It was, uh, you know, lots of rain. And you're just trying to trudge through. Um, Lork, you're probably not even telling him, but there's got to be a part of you that, like, doesn't want them to catch up to you. So yeah, no, that's what, was, that's what I was going to say when you said he was first thinking, like, they're probably getting up right now. They're probably meeting right now. They're probably thinking, where's Lurk right now? He was going back over in his head thinking, what clues did I accidentally leave behind? I mean, he's a ranger, so he's pretty sure he covered his tracks pretty right. well. But he's nervous that they might have been able to track him, and he doesn't want them to follow because he knows it's going to be really dangerous. Right. So this might be like a forced march through the rain. Like, I don't know, Orphis, you're, he's kind of like, oh, let's just keep going. We can push it. But you're a blood rager. You're cool with... Fighting the, uh, fighting the um, inclement weather. Night of day four, you're sitting there camping, tired, and both of you roll a perception check. Fourteen. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah, don't forget, Lork is a ranger. <laughs> There's one thing he does right. It's a minor skill. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Real minor. <laughs> the, the least important skill in the game. <laughs> it is, Matthew. I see you. I'm just drinking he, champagne. He's just over there getting drunk. Matthew has literally had two bottles of champagne. <laughs> do you know? Drop another one, boys. Before, before well, he's just watching the Grant show, which I am thoroughly enjoying. I'm also being good. haunted by the image of Klaus Kinski staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> literally looking at me. You guys like he's me using the TV? He's looking right he's at, looking at right Matthew. Right at <laughs> <laughs> Take a picture of that skin from the oh, well. uh, Get past Pass that down to Matthew, that champagne. We got bottles bottles for days. Um, Episode 100! Yeah! 31 perception. 31 yes, perception. 31. You hear some crazy sirens <laughs> come in right when I say that. I mean, with a 31 perception, you know that it is 100 yards away from you. You hear something to the effect of like, like kind of a conversation almost, or just one voice. It, it sounds like people are talking. Um, humans. All right, uh, Orthosh or Orphas. Guys, been hanging out for two days. You know what his name is? <laughs> What's your name? Orthos? Oh, I'm terrible with names. Orifice. Orifice. It's all with right. me. It's all right. You're an old man. Orthosh. It's with an F, my friend. Orphas. There you go. There's someone nearby. Please, uh, let me check it out. Be on the guard. Be on guard. 
And uh, Lork will sneak up. Roll stealth. 20. 20. You walk 100 yards up, and you see what appears to be an old man standing by a stone obelisk, sort of oddly placed in the middle of this forest. You would have prob- you, you would have just walked by it and not paid any attention to it, but you see this old man sort of maybe pontificating, talking. You don't see anyone else. What does this man look like? Uh, he's very old. Uh, he's 5'10". Um, he's played by the revered character actor, actor Michael Hordern, um, which you probably don't know by name, but if you saw him, you would recognize him instantly. Um, and uh, he's sort of hunched over, got a very, very kindly face, um, big eyebrows, and uh, he's wearing a big, uh, yeah, there he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, <laughs> he is very old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's wearing um, a traveling cloak, belt with all these pouches on it, um, and a giant, ridiculously big floppy hat, like, <laughs> like your grandmother would wear to the beach. <laughs> and he has a, uh, like a walking stick. Um, that has uh, like a metal point at the end where it meets the ground and it has like a metal handle that comes up out of it um, that looks like it has like a piece of leather or something like hanging uh, down in it. It's mm. very very difficult to see what it, why. Huh. Um, but uh, he's holding this and he's sort of bending down and uh, he's got a little bit of light like coming out of his hand and he's looking at this uh, artifact. It's, he's just staring at this obelisk, and, and and you don't see him. Is he saying it? What is he saying? I don't see him. I mean, you, I'm sorry. He doesn't see you, right, right, right. Uh, Lork. This is very curious indeed. There is, this is uh, clearly the stele is of Thessalonian origin. This is Gatashi, but wait, there's no one he's talking to. No. These uh, <laughs> these characters here, these runes towards the bottom are almost. <laughs> Carrion in origin, which is quite strange indeed, because this is quite a lot of the wrong, wrong part of the world. I hope you're not waiting for me to stop this. And uh, yeah, okay. also, are. not to mention, it predates this current period. But you're there. Oh, oh dear. Lork is. Uh, he he thought about. I thought about rolling a stealth check to draw his bow and mm-hmm. knock an arrow, but not aim it, but just have it ready. Um, and I, he elected to not do it, to not seem too aggressive. He so. turns around and gives you that exact look from that picture. <laughs> you have to post that. I gotta picture. post that picture. That's the look he turns around. Michael Holder. He's that, like, that's the oops, I crap my pants. Right. <laughs> He's like, Oi, you're there. Oh, I, uh, I am sorry. I, I hope my ramblings didn't disturb you. We're camped uh, nearby here. I heard you. Your ramblings. Oh, I do apologize. I am so, so, so very sorry. I, uh, well, the lo- road is lonely, and I'm rather used to uh, engaging in uh, uh, scintillating conversations with myself. <laughs> Aye, the road is lonely. We've we've got a fire here. We're cooking up some fresh caught rabbit. 
Oh. If, you, if you'd like a meal, you're oh, welcome well, to join us. Oh, I don't want to intrude, but uh, if you are offering, I uh, wouldn't say no to a hot meal and a bit of companionship for the uh, for the time being. Right this way. Follow me. Oh, thank you, young man. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, young man. <laughs> And he just he sort of like in his mid to late forties, <laughs> and he pulls himself up with his walking stick, and he's like, "Got it!" And he just kind of like waddles over, like behind you towards the camp. Big floppy hat. Big floppy hat. He follows you back to the camp. Lork is just thinking. Do you warn him? Like this is extremely dangerous territory <laughs> to just be walking through. Do you warn him about? Uh, there's another par- party member with you. Like he's a little bit crazier looking than me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think he'll just walk behind him, and he will talk to uh, Old Fesh. Oh, or or oh, yeah, you, or, didn't have, you didn't even introduce yourself. Orfas. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're having, first you say come to the fire, okay. then you do the introduction. Okay. So as he's coming up, he's going to say to Orfesh, "There's a, a man here who's alone on the road. I offered him the fire. He seems relatively harmless." And he turns around and he says, "Well met. This is my traveling companion, Orfas." Longbow. What's your last name? <laughs> Norkim. Norkim. You're welcome to share our fire. Uh, yes, Orfas Norkim. If I'm not mistaken, your uh, people hail from Deepgate, would it be? <laughs> ah, and if I'm not mistaken, you yourself may be a man of letters. Oh, well, I, I do have some training in uh, books and scrolls and so forth, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wasted a good deal of my life in the study of those. Eh? <laughs> w- what you... Uh, may not know about me is that though I appear to be a ferocious half-orc, I'm also capable of the arcane arts as I battle. I would appreciate having a bit of a chat about your own powers. Yes, yes, well, of course. I mean, I'm always willing to embark on a discussion of the arcane. Reminds me of, uh, <laughs> reminds me of my professional days. I would rather, rather enjoy that. Well, I must say, I, I did seat. not expect it. <laughs> it's rather a pleasant surprise. Sit down like a rock. <laughs> I'm, I'm Lork the Iron Tusk from Trunau. And uh, we are bound for the Shawanti of the Bloodsworn Vale. Ah, yes, the Bloodsworn Vale. Very hazardous. Would you like some rabbit? I would love some. He cuts them off do. a piece. I do. Quite do you like it well done or a little more of medium? No, rabbit? I like a little bit of pink. If they like <laughs> Well, then we'll take it off now. I don't want to take anyone else's <laughs> portion, but if you have any... Then you he likes his rabbit pig! <laughs> just a little bit. Of pig, you know. <laughs> Something to remind you it was alive. Something to remind you. The FDA said recently, pink rabbit is okay. Pink is... It's a little bit of... He hands, you, he hands you the meat. He says, what brings you on down the road alone, my friend? Oh, this is excellent. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's well just this morning. Yes, yes, very little... Uh, has the potato of the wild in it. Uh, I quite like it. Oh, but I'm, I'm <laughs> terribly sorry. I, uh, <laughs> my uh, I, uh, memory isn't quite what it was. I've forgotten to introduce myself at all. Uh, my name is Pembroke. Pembroke? Yes, just Pembroke. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally the name of my college dorm. Junior year. Oh, was it really? Well, I was rather a donor in uh, certain <laughs> athletic ten colleges in the northeast uh, during uh, during my corporate Amazing. phase. But, uh, yes, I wonder mm. it might have made it in there. Pembroke, I'll ask you the same question I asked 
Lork, several days ago. What is it that brings you to this part of the world? Well, it's rather a long and tedious tale, but uh, in my youth, I was uh, known as Pembroke the Persistent uh, to my one of my apprentice days by my master, Zarthon the Inscrutable. Who would rather a better wizarding name than Pembroke, I'll tell you that one. <laughs> and then upon my uh, em- embarkation into the world at large, I was known eventually as Pembroke the Potent. Uh, not that you'd be able to tell now, I'm sure. <laughs> then later on, uh, once I took my post at the Arcanarium, I was known as Professor Pembroke. So, um, always a P. I'm noticing a bit of a theme. Yes, there, I uh, always seem to attract myself to alliterative nicknames. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. What does alliterative mean? Oh, it's when one word, two words, or more start with the same letter. In Don't talk case, down e. to me. No, no. I asked a question. A question. I thought, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to bed, generally. Um, but yes, yeah, so, and then uh, I've, uh, I, uh, I uh, exited my position uh, rather oh, two months ago, and uh, I am making my way north and east to Ustalev at the moment. You're an academic. And and you're alone on the road. Yes, yes. Don't you... F- don't you... What was that? <clears throat> don't you? Don't you? Don't you wish your girlfriend <laughs> was hot like me? Don't you fear the dangers of the road? Oh, well, the road is dangerous indeed, but... Uh, well, I, I'm a very old man, and... Um, to tell the, tell the truth, if I'm not... Uh, uh, if I'm not imposing my, uh, my life story upon your, uh, your, your road-weary ears... Uh, I uh, I left my post because, um, well, I occasionally will have sort of visiony type things, uh, prophetic sort of, you know, dreams and whatnot. And uh, I had one concerning my own death, which it appears is imminent. So uh, uh, I've had a good long life, but I've never seen the burial place of the Whispering Tyrant. Always had a fascination with him. That whole, that whole period of history, history in general, but that in particular. And so, I left my post, uh, much to uh, some of my students' dismay. But uh, what can one do? And I uh, made my way north here. And uh, and so, uh, I would quite like to see. Um, I would like to see the uh, the spire, but um, the whispering tyrant. He was defeated by the knights of Ozum. Oh, yes. Was he not? And uh, by Aridan himself, the god of man. Yes. I met I met a knight of Ozum. She was very brave. Oh, and did you? I did. Oh, yes, they're lovely people. I met a few, too, uh, on the road. I had to get, uh, actually, years ago, there was uh, a coterie of them that came through the university, and uh, I actually managed to... Uh, uh, insert myself into their conversations and showed them around Absalom. It was lovely. They were very, very nice. You've been to Absalom? Oh, yes. I lived there for 40 years. That's incredible. Yes. I hear it's the most incredible city in the world. Oh, it is a lovely city. Yes. Yes, it is lovely. Yes. Well, we are bound for the Bloodsworn Vale. I don't know if this is along your path, but it's where we're heading in the morning. Well, um, 
I suppose I could make a detour. Um, <laughs> and I'm always happy to uh, share the load. I've spent far too much time alone. I feel I'm getting a little strange. <laughs> it, excuse me, Professor. Yes. I couldn't help but overhear that you were interested in the visitation of Uslav. Visiting U- Yes, yes, yes. Uslav, yes. I've heard many good things about that place, that it is a seat of unimaginable horror. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the horrors are great, which was why uh, during uh, all the previous phases of my life, I had shied away from it. Fascinated as I was with the tyrant himself and his homeland, I was always afraid that I would die if I went there. But now I know <laughs> I could die. So if I die there or on the way, it is uh, no great matter. So this conversation continues throughout the night and this, with this fascinating new yeah. character that literally could be not, couldn't be more different. <laughs> it's too, I'm so glad you're my friends in real life. <laughs> this is amazing! <laughs> I mean, you could do four hours of just letting skin improv yeah. this character. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, I just see it kind of going in that same vein, though, like how we as people are all just sitting here just amazed by listening to Skid create this character. I can see Orphus and Lork doing the same thing, just listening because it's so vastly different from anything you have either experienced. I'm sure there were mystics. I'm sure there was an intelligentsia in the Orcs of Deep Gate, and I'm sure... I don't know. Lork actually had no... No, Lork's only consorts, allies... Consorts. His only <laughs> allies, friends, have been military-based uh, or prison Donut-eating really. cops of the true now, uh, you know... Oh, well, masked from well, type guys. Well, some yeah. of them were, yeah. But you never but, met anybody smart. And look, didn't well, yeah. There was people of honor, but there was not people of great academic intelligence and worldliness. Like to have been to come from Absalom, that is something that really stands out to Lork. Right, and it's one of the things that drew him in a way to Gel yeah. that he was so educated and intelligent and it, it, he couldn't help himself. At first he might have been like, oh, this pompous kid. But after a long time, he was kind of drawn to his intellect and his character in a way that you know, when he, by the time he meets this guy, he thinks, oh, well, this kind of worldliness is something I need to learn. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh- also, Lork is the oldest in the group. Well, with Gormley, they're pretty much of an age. Through the whole adventure. Right. This is the first one who's, like, older than Lork. Right, yeah, yeah. probably even at, you know, the enemies you've faced. Red Lake Fort and whatnot, you weren't... You know, Olmas might have been of an age of you, but, like, everyone you've faced, Doc Tani, you know, maybe of an age, but no one, you know, 20 years... No one from a different generation. Yeah. Right. And this guy's right. from a different generation. So I can see Orphus and Lork just sitting there... Listening to him talk, and as you can already see, he can just talk and talk and talk. I can see both of you just passing out while he just continues talking yeah. to Barry. Yeah, and then and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get to totally see your character looking can, over, finding can... us asleep, and being like, "Oh, yeah." And he can talk to animals. So, oh, he can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> so he's just talking to Barry, and you're going to have to talk to, to so yourself. Is Barry? You'll have to. Tell me again about these chemtrails you go on about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Now they're emitted by iron birds. And stuff, I don't know. Go on about the moon landing, Mary. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, you know, so the next morning you guys wake up 
And uh, I, I, Pembroke, are you are you fast asleep? Did you stay up into the night and pass out late, or are you up and at him like an old man? Yeah, I, like ready for uh, dinner. Old, old men wake up pretty early. Yeah, <laughs> right, so right. Up early. He's up at four a.m. and dinner try, is try, promptly try, at three. Yeah, trying to pee. <laughs> yeah, grumpily awake. You just yeah. hear Not wanting to be awake, but awake. You hear yeah. in the woods about twenty feet away. <laughs> drip, drip, drip. Uh, drip, drip, drip. <laughs> With that face on. <laughs> the same face that when he saw Lord. We'll, we'll put it on the Twitter. You guys will see. So, Pembroke, you are going to take this detour. You feel like you want to take this detour because Ustalav is, I mean, literally in the other direction. Yeah. Well, um, I think that that's, that's, his, that, that's why he went left. But now it's like he's really lonely and like he yeah. wants to... You know, spend some time with some people first. And he, he doesn't. He he doesn't know how much time he has left. You know, it's he knows it's soon, but like he really just wants to enjoy what's left of his life. Yeah, and I wonder you if know? he's if he's haunted by these visions of his impending death. How much he would see this as an intervention of fate in a way that maybe this is part of his plan, just like Lork saw Orphis as yeah. maybe a part of. Well, that. and he would say, just as like, well, I I don't know, like when when my uh, when my fate will come calling, but um, I know that I have led a good life. I've led a full life, and if I were to die in the service of some great cause, that you seem to uh, seem to have thrust yourself into, all the better. Which harkens back to like Baron when you think about it. Like Baron, if he has to go, he wants to go in a place of glory. So they'll build a tomb, like Nargrim Steelhand's tomb. So that has to resonate with Lork too. Yeah, no, of course, of course. And he, Lork, is not really gonna play it down. He's not gonna play it down. It's like, oh no, it's no great quest. I just, I need help with the murderer's curse. Like he's gonna keep that kind of all secret and say, no, it is a great quest. It's going to be very dangerous. He doesn't mention the curse? No, he doesn't mention the oh. curse. He just basically... You, did you mention Orphus? You haven't mentioned the curse at all. No, I haven't mentioned the curse at all. I just say that I'm going to right some wrongs, basically, is what I say, and that the this particular tribe of Shawanti could help me because they have connection to the dead, and the wrong that I did was to one of the dead, basically, as, the, as vague as I keep it. I could imagine, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it seems like you want to have Orphos happy with you, and you don't want to bring up any like failures or disappointments that might make you look weak or right. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, you talk like about I, the curse specifically. No, I definitely thought about that and decided that I wanted to appear to this half orc like battler of Gorum as if not like I didn't. I don't lie about anything. I just like leave out the failures. I talk about ripping the grade off. You know, like, I ripped it out of the wall, and we snuck into this fort. But I don't say, like, I challenged this other follow of Gorm to single combat and went unconscious in two rounds. When, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I leave that part out. When Orphos, at a certain point along this journey, Orphos does want to learn more about what type of power he's uh, going to potentially pursue with Lork, and he wants to know specifically, and I know there's another agenda here, but... Um, why he wants to commune with the dead and, and for what purpose, what's motivating him to do this. Oh, I'm sure. And that must fasc- fascinate Pembroke as well. And and I just can imagine, Lord, tell me if I'm wrong, just trying to put off that conversation as long as possible. Not that you think that they're going to, like, abandon the mission, but it's just like, if your curse is that everyone around you dies, you don't know how to quite bring that up. Yeah, I mean, to to an end, Lork is being selfish. 
He is, he knows that there's a certain danger to these people, but in a way, he, he doesn't have the connection to them yet that he had to Baron and Bella. And he feels like the more help that he can get to crack the lines of the Shawanti and at least seem intimidating enough to get an audience, it's going to be, he's greatly going to help his chances of seeing his son and finding Brander. I I mean, by Orfash's very, Existence. This is what he does. He seeks out, you know, powerful people to challenge. He has no fear of death. And the other has said his death is fated to be soon. Pembroke is like, it's coming. So maybe this is fated to be with Lork right now. The important thing is to find a way to justify, character-wise, why you would stay with these people. Right. Knowing that you have this curse and they're probably going to die. That's the only thing you really have to worry about. Right, exactly. And that's what I'm thinking is like their reasons for being here right now with me are they fit perfectly. Like right. almost like. Well, you know what? It was I, faded. That's, I think like what Grant said, I think you should, you should be honest with them. That's what I think. Okay. And, you know? and so day six. Well, you, I, I, you're, you're an evil character. <laughs> you don't tell us that it's a Well, well, well this, is, this is important, you know, because you just met Pembroke. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm waiting for it to, like, oh, okay. materialize. Okay. Like, right. it, it, early on, it seems kind of odd to show that. Right. You wouldn't say that in the first line. You'd never get a date at a bar exactly. your first line. Yeah. 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 It, yeah, exactly. Like, you start dating somebody, be like, just want you to know, my mom is my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Hey, I'm 40, I'm bald, and I live with my mother. I is just want cool? you to know, I have a vestigial tail. It's not a rudimentary third nipple. No, like, I can't even tell you right now how much I love these characters. So I really do look forward to Lork, like, becoming vulnerable to them. Okay, good. Right, so I can yeah. see. That that makes sense. I just don't want to let you off the hook. Like, you know they're going to die if everyone around you dies. Yeah, yeah. So day six comes along, and you guys are talking more. Eh, you're still probably holding back. Day seven comes along. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if this and much And now by day passed. seven, I, I can see you, like, really liking the both of them. And that's the tough thing. It's like, you know, this is Spider-Man type stuff. It's like, I can't let anybody get close to me because they all die. It's the same shit. It's like... You like these people. There are yeah. good people in the world. People that are now of a like mind with you. So yeah. what happens on day seven? It's so, yes. mid-afternoon. Mid-afternoon, Lork will, uh, literally during the day, as they're walking through, Barry by his side, he, he will say, I, I'm not sure I've been completely honest with you about why I'm going to see the the Shawanti of the Bloodsworn Vale. In fact, I know I haven't been honest with you, and you you all deserve that. I am... Um, I am seeking to right or wrong, as I told you, and I am seeking to commune with the undead, like I said, but... I need... Well, you know, Orf... Orfas, that I have battled many in the name of Gorham, and I've killed many in the heat of battle. But I'm sure you would agree that that is different than murdering someone that is not looking for a fight, that is innocent and pure and has no ill will towards you. Well, long ago when I was young and foolish, I... I and right as you start to speak, you hear a scream, maybe a hundred feet away. Off into the woods to the west. I just got going. I know. <laughs> you hear like, ah! Hope, Sounds like that a, a woman's voice. Uh, we snap our heads. Um, 
I'll, I'll start immediately going, like immediately moving through the woods. So he's in the middle of like sharing this heart to heart, and it kind of might, probably took both of you up. Like, what, what's going on here? It's and like so hear- intense that he almost has trouble walking and saying it. You know what I mean? Like he almost has to stop, and then he hears this scream. Scream in the distance. What do you do? Uh, Lork will immediately say, someone's in trouble. And he'll start to kind of jog through the underbrush, uh, not being hampered at all by the difficult terrain, uh, <laughs> to the, the sound of the screams. Trips, falls, breaks his leg. Uh, Pembroke uh, moves quickly but carefully with his uh, walking stick. Orphos thinks to himself. Him. Oh, sorry. Orphos thinks to himself, I love the smell of strife in the morning. <laughs> You're a weird dude, Orphus. Uh, Orphus. Yep, yep. You guys run ahead. I can see Orphus and Lork uh, being together. It's yeah, weird. Lork's got his it's bow out. It's weird saying Lork again, yeah. Uh, Lork, <laughs> it's Barry, so cool. with you. You run up ahead, and you reach a clearing, and you see seven figures. In the middle is a woman who looks like Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> who looks like this. Oh! Describe her. That's my girl. What actress? Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Sarita Chowdhury. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Skin, skin <laughs> Cut the mic. Cut the I, really, mic. I like Michelle Rodriguez. I wish it was her. We offered I'm it sorry, to her. She, she said no. <laughs> she said no. She turned, she, turned it down. she turned it down. So what, once again, what's the actress? Sarita Chowdhury. And what is she wearing? What does she look like? She's wearing Druid's robes. Oh. Get out of and here. And she has a headscarf on and weird crystal spe- spectacles across her eyes. And she is surrounded by six creatures that look like this. Oh, no! <laughs> Little, tiny, like, they look like old men. Kind of oh. gnomish. They have red caps on, metal steel boots with points, and they have a scythe chained to them that they're holding with two hands. But these are little, little guys. They look like Santa Clauses if Santa was, like, little demons with if a scythe. If he was, like, 65 pounds. Little Santa scythe demons. And for the first time <laughs> little Santa scythe in 29 demons. episodes or so. Lork and friends, roll for initiative. Oh, 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 oh. oh look at Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.